Good morning. I wanted to have some time with you this morning just to share the latest in eye fashions. Very special pair of glasses. I finally found out the answer. You see, when I was a child, I always wondered how my mother knew. You know, there were times when she was nowhere around and I did something wrong. But in the end, I found out that mom knew what I had done. And I swore she had to have eyes in the back of her head. Did you ever say that about your parents? Well, these glasses do that because, you see, I can see you equally well from right here as I can when I'm facing you. These, the latest of glasses, have vision both ways. Mom had a pair of these glasses 30 years ago. I'm convinced of it. She was a single parent, as many of you know. I have a lot of respect for single parents. They carry a heavy load. One parent cannot be both mother and father, but one parent can do a great job raising children with God's help. There were times when mom knew things that I didn't think she would ever figure out. Things that I did wrong and sometimes things I did right on those occasions. She used to work late on Saturday nights at her job at the grocery store. And so we children, the four of us, would get together and clean her kitchen for her. Now, I'm not sure exactly what the true result of the cleaning was, whether it was something that was helpful or not, but it, it made us feel good. And as soon as she came in the house, Mom knew what we had done. I'm not quite sure how she knew so quickly, but she knew what we had done. Isn't it amazing what parents know? And yet Mom didn't know everything. There are some things she never found out, and I'm glad. There are some things she didn't learn, and I'm glad because I don't know if she could have borne it. There is a tremendous weight that comes with knowing something. Can you imagine knowing everything? There are times when things come on television, my wife and I say, turn it off, I don't want to hear any more of it. We have heard enough about the sadness and the, the grief and the sorrow in the world. Just turn it off. But God doesn't turn it off. The God that you and I worship knows. What does he know? Everything. And when does he know it? Always. He never forgets. How does he know that? How does he do it? It is simply a natural attribute of God. It's one of the qualities that is his as deity. God never learns. God did not have to go to school to be deity. He has always known all things. 
that can be known. One commentator put it this way, A.W. Pink. God is omniscient. That's what the word means, all-knowing. He knows everything, everything possible, everything actual, all events, all creatures of the past, the present, the future. He is perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being in heaven, in earth, and in hell. Nothing escapes his notice. Nothing can be hidden from him. Nothing is forgotten by him. His knowledge is perfect. He never errs, never changes, never overlooks anything. How solemn is this fact, nothing can be concealed from God. Though he be invisible to us, we are not so to him. God not only knows whatsoever has happened in the past in every part of his vast domains, and he is not only thoroughly acquainted with everything that is now transpiring through his entire universe, but he is also perfectly cognizant with every event from the least to the greatest that ever will happen in the ages to come. The God that we worship knows. The story is told about a man who had several friends in town. And on one occasion he thought he would play a practical joke on them. And so he sent out seven letters to seven friends. And what it simply said in the letter was, You have been found out wasn't signed or anything. It just said, you have been found out. And he mailed them. And five of them left town. What does God know about you and me? Well, in the text that was read earlier this morning from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, we see that God knows the events of our lives and the deeds that we do. He goes before us. He comes after us. Our down-sitting, our uprising, whatever we do, God knows it. Whatever we say, God hears it. Deuteronomy 2.7, it says, God has known your wanderings through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You have not lacked a thing. Even though God caused his people to walk those years in the wilderness and to die, he did not forsake them. He was with them every day and knew them, knew their needs, and provided what they needed. Psalm 33 says, The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all, he who understands all their works. God knows everything about us. The events of our lives, the deeds that we do. The Lord Jesus illustrated this when in John chapter 1 he called Philip. And Philip went and he found Nathanael and told him that we have found the Messiah. The next day it says that Nathanael came to Jesus and Jesus said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said, how do you know me? And Jesus says, when you were under the fig tree, before Philip called you, 
I knew you. You see, God knew all about Nathaniel. That's one evidence, again, of Jesus' deity. He knew where Nathaniel was. He knew what he was doing when Philip called him. God also knows the thoughts of our minds and the motives of our hearts. Psalm 139 again makes this clear. But so do many other texts of Scripture. For example, God knows the heart of an ungodly king, like Sennacherib of Assyria. Through Isaiah the prophet, God said to him, I know you're sitting down, and I know you're going out, and you're coming in, and you're raging against me. God said to Sennacherib, I know all about you. You hate me. But I know when you stand up, I know when you sit down, I know your rage, I know you're coming in, you're going out. And God said, and I will put my hook into your nose. David said to his son Solomon, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9, As for you, my son Solomon, know the Lord your God, the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts, understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him, but if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. God knows every thought and every intent of those thoughts. And to the house of Israel, Ezekiel said on behalf of God, I know your thoughts, Ezekiel 11, verse 5. Once again, we see Jesus illustrating this in his deity. For as he was speaking to the crowds in one day, as recorded in Matthew chapter 9, and then another time in Matthew chapter, 11, or chapter 12, it says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said... You see, as he was talking to them, he was able to read their thoughts. Aren't you glad I can't read your thoughts as I'm talking to you? That would be fun for me. Jesus was able to listen in on the thoughts of his hearers as he spoke to them. How could he know the thoughts of another person's heart? Or how could he know the motives of their hearts, as he obviously did? He was God, and as God, he knows all things. God also knows the future of our lives. God knows the future of the world. He knows the future of our lives. In Revelation 1.1 it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. Did the Lord Jesus illustrate this? Many times. For example, he told them, now you go over here to this village and there's going to be a donkey there with a colt and the owner's going to say this to you and you respond that and, and he'll let you have the donkey. It hadn't even happened yet. He knew exactly what was going to take place. As they were gathered around the Lord's table, he said, one of you is going to betray me. Peter said, no, no. Though everybody else betray you, I will never forsake you. Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, three times you're going to deny me. You see, God knows what you're going to do this afternoon at 3.31. Or next year at this time, where you're going to be. 
and what the circumstances of your life will be. God knows everything about you and about me. He knows the intimate details of our lives. But what are the ramifications of this? This knowledge that the psalmist calls wonderful. Well, in the first place, it brings conviction, doesn't it? Because it means if God sees everything about me, he sees my sin. Proverbs 15, 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. In Hebrews 4, 13, it says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Or as one writer says it, with whom our final reckoning has to be made. One thing is for sure that every human being is one day going to stand before God. And God is going to give a final reckoning to everyone. And on that day, God is not going to be guessing what happened in the life. God is not going to be flipping back and forth through books trying to find out all the details because every moment of every day he knows every detail of every life. Therefore, it is wise on my part to be sure that I am right with God before I stand before him for my final reckoning. How wonderfully possible God has made that for us to be right with him, to have our sins forgiven. And he says, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. It doesn't mean that God actually forgets them because God knows all things. But it's an expression that meaning that God chooses to overlook them or to hold them against us. He sets them aside as having any influence in his thinking about us when we trust in Jesus Christ to be our Savior. How wonderful God is that he chooses not to hold against us everything that he knows about us. He can lay some of those things aside, those sins aside, because we trust in Jesus Christ as our sin bearer. When we think about God knowing all things, it it also brings consolation to us because we know that God sees all of our hurts, all of our pains, our weaknesses, and our needs. Several years ago, when we were going through a very difficult time in ministry before we came here to the Twin Cities, a verse in Psalm 142 ministered to my wife and me. It says, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, thou didst know my path. It is great to know when you're absolutely overwhelmed that God knows all about it. Psalm 38 verse 9 says, Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my sighing is not hidden from thee. Do you ever get to the place in life where you just can't even say anything else and you... God knows what the sigh means. Because God knows, I can rest. 
I can rest knowing that he totally understands me and my circumstances. He knows my frame. He remembers that I am dust. He understands my weaknesses and prayer. In Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit actually is in me to help me to pray. And when I run out of words, he actually groans, as it were, within me with words that can't be uttered. And brings requests to the Father that are in perfect tune with the will of God. God knows all about us. What consolation there is in that. When you are wrongfully treated, when you are persecuted for Christ's sake, remember that He, the Lord, will take out our vengeance. We need not do it ourselves. God sees the wrongs and the injustices of life, and He says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. We can rest, you see, in the Lord. The fact that God knows everything brings tremendous consolation to our souls. But it also brings adoration. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. What the the psalmist means is, it causes me to wonder, to be in awe, of you, God, when I think of the knowledge that you have of me. He says it is too high. I can't attain to it. Job felt that he knew a great deal and had pleased God in his suffering. And yet God came to Job in the latter days of his suffering and taught Job some things about his power and his knowledge. And after God's discourse, Job replied, I know that thou canst do all things, and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Romans 11.33, O the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and unfathomable his ways. God knows all things that are actual, and God knows all things that are possible. Now what that latter means is that he knows what would have happened if what did happen had not happened. No, I won't repeat it. You think of all the choices in your life the vocation that you have, or the person that you married, or the place you chose to to live, or the the job that you have uh, at the present time. Think of all the choices and what might have happened had you made another choice. And then you begin to multiply that, and you can see that it's infinite, the different possibilities of life. But God could sit down with you and tell you what would have happened had you made the other choices in life. Because God knows not only all things actual, but all things possible. I can hear someone say, if God sees what I'm experiencing, then why doesn't he intervene on my behalf? If God knows what I'm passing through right now, if he really understands it, then why doesn't he do something for me? 
And that cry is sincere. It's a cry of torment and pain. And it's a cry that most of us have uttered in one way or another in our lives. Why doesn't God do something since he knows? If God knows that those Kurdish refugees are starving to death and freezing to death and being shelled by Saddam Hussein in a sadistic campaign, why doesn't God do something? If God knows that there are homeless orphans in Brazil like those that Vinnie Jacquery is seeking to help, why doesn't God do something? If God knows that this ministry out here that we've loved and appreciated is about to collapse because of problems inside, why doesn't God do something? If God knows all about the marriage that I'm in, and the heartache and the suffering that I'm going, why doesn't God do something? If God knows about my cancer or the disease that I'm inflicted with, why doesn't he do something? There are some people who say, well, surely God knows, but he's not powerful enough to do anything about it. There are others who say, well, yeah, God knows, and He could do something, but God doesn't really care that much. He's sort of off over there. Bette Midler captured this thought in the song that she made famous recently. God is watching us. Where? From a distance. Is that right? No, it's not right. When we're answering that kind of a question, there are several possible responses that can be made. One is that whatever the circumstances may be, even if they're life-threatening, God is working in those circumstances for a greater good than I can possibly know. His knowledge is too high for me. I can't see what God is doing, what he knows, but he knows. Furthermore, God works on a different schedule than we do. The people of Israel cried out to God for centuries, Deliver us from Egypt! Deliver us from this bondage! Generations came, generations went, and God did nothing until it was his time. And then Moses came on the scene and tried to do it in his own way. And God sent him off into the wilderness for 40 more years to wait, to be prepared. It still wasn't God's time. And people died and people suffered and people were oppressed. And then, and then it was God's time. And he brought back Moses. And God delivered his people. You see, God works on a different schedule than you and me. J.I. Packer says it this way, God's almighty wisdom is always active and never fails. All his works of creation and providence and grace display it, and until we can see it in them, we just are not seeing them straight. 
But we cannot recognize God's wisdom unless we know the end for which he is working. Here's where many go wrong. Misunderstanding what the Bible means when it says that God is love, they think that God intends a trouble-free life for all, irrespective of their moral or spiritual state. And hence they conclude that anything painful and upsetting indicates either that God's wisdom or power or both have broken down, or that God, after all, does not exist. But this idea of God's intention is a complete mistake. God's wisdom is not, and never was, pledged to keep a fallen world happy or to make ungodliness comfortable. Not even to Christians has he promised a trouble-free life, rather the reverse. He has other ends in view for life in this world than simply to make it easy for everyone. Because God knows everything, we don't mislead him for a moment. I don't brag about this, but I look back and uh, I misled my mother on some occasions. She was on track with what had happened, and I was able to, uh, <clears throat> by one means or another, get her off track so that she didn't really learn or know the facts of the case. We can't do that with God. Somebody has said that excuses are the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. We have all kinds of excuses why we do this or don't do that. We excuse ourselves in our service for God. We say, well, you know, I've done enough, or these people over there, it's their turn, or I, I can't do this. Moses tried that when you remember. An excuse is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. We use excuses for our stewardship. Why well, I, I can't give this, or I can't do that in, in, for the Lord, or... I can't give that much. The skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. In our suffering, we say, I've had enough. It's not fair. Other people don't experience what I experience. It's not my fault. Why, it was them. We point the finger at other people and try to bring up our excuses. Somebody has said, those who are most successful in making excuses have no energy left for anything else. Most failures are expert at making excuses. The fact is that God knows. God knows. And my excuses don't make it with God. And so what I'm better off doing is facing the truth. Acknowledging the truth. Because that pleases God. Even if the truth is bad about me. Even if it puts me in a light that, that is sinful, it's much better to acknowledge the truth than to try to make up some excuse and to think we're going to mislead God. The God that we worship knows. He doesn't have to investigate. He doesn't have to measure 
He doesn't have to open a book and see. He doesn't refer the question to somebody else who might know better. Because God knows. That's the God that we worship. That's the God to whom we all must give a final accounting one day. Let's pray. Friend, if God knows you, knows all about you, and he does, he does, are you ready for that accounting with him? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior to be your sin-bearer so that you don't have to bear it before God? If not, will you do that right now? Dear fellow Christian, let this truth of God's knowing console your heart in the pain and the discouragement you're in. Let it console you regarding what he calls you to do, knowing that he will enable you. He knows your frame. He knows what you're made of, but dust. If he calls you to do something, he will enable you. He knows. Be consoled. Let all of us put away our excuses and be transparent and genuine before God. Oh God, we worship you today because you know all things. And you know us. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy that enable us through Jesus Christ to be your children to be forgiven, to be accepted by you, the Holy One. Thank you that in your knowing of us, you bring sweet comforts to our souls. Father, there are some here this morning struggling with deep problems of despair and loneliness and fear and worry. May those who are your children be comforted today in the truth that you, their living God, know and understand. And you're working even now in their circumstances. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with me, please. As we depart from here today, let us depart knowing that God sees... Do you remember Hagar of the Old Testament? Sarah's slave, who bore a son to Abraham and then was chased out of the camp by an angry Sarah. And she was in a desert dying with her situation desperate. And God met her there. And her response was, Oh God, you see me. God sees where you are too. He's walking with you today, and he leaves with you, and he will be with you this week. So walk in fear of him and worship him. We're dismissed.